Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast where we bring to you the stories of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specializing in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Jonathan. He's the founder and CEO over at RefTrax. Thank you so much for being on today. It's a pleasure having you. And uh, to start off, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, uh, a little personal, like where you grew up, what you've been doing to essentially lead you to where you're at right now. Sure. Uh, so great to be here. I, I would say, so I started RevTrax a couple years out of college and uh, grew up in New York, uh, not New York City, but, but Westchester, uh, New York suburbs, and uh, went to school, college upstate New York, and um, thought I wanted to work in finance and, and had the, uh, uh, the opportunity and the pleasure to work in finance out of college for a couple of years and decided that uh, that was not really what I wanted to do and, and focused on. And so I would say in that two-year out-of-school period was when I, uh, I got together with um, uh, one of my, uh, my close friends from college, uh, who is now and, and has been my co-founder and COO for many years. And we discussed uh, what we wanted to build and create in terms of a new, uh, a new business. And uh, I'd, I'd say, honestly, we didn't really know what we wanted to start, except that we wanted to start something right. in uh, this intersection of technology, data analytics, and digital marketing, um, areas that we were probably more passionate about than experienced in. Right. Um, and through just a lot of brainstorming and networking, uh, we bootstrapped our, uh, our SaaS business and, and now in our 11th year of, uh, of operation. So. Uh, did a lot right, did a lot wrong, uh, but as I joke, we did, you know, did did more things right than than we did wrong. Okay, very cool. So it sounds like you've been around for about eleven years, right? And uh, and you mentioned like, uh, an interesting thing that I feel like not a lot of people actually talk about is, you know, that the fact that they did some things wrong, and they are everywhere, right? Like everyone makes mistakes, everyone has those kind of you know hiccups and stuff like that. Like, what would you say has been the biggest thing that you kind of stumbled upon that you just didn't even know how to like? tackle it <laughs> uh, where to start I think categorically it was people mm-hmm. it was people so we started this company when we were each 23 uh, 24 maybe and so as you might expect um, not a whole lot of uh, work experience and certainly not a whole lot of entrepreneurial uh, growth experience and so a lot of the mistakes we made over 11 years were, were people related in terms of lacking um, the processes to hire the best people or retain them or, you know, how to structure the management team. And so everything from um, overexpanding headcount, um, uh, hiring some of the wrong people, you know, the, the culture overall, I think, was always something I was passionate about. So I... I feel pretty strongly that our culture was always a beacon um, for everybody who's worked here and, and I think has carried us through some some challenging times. But the biggest challenges I think we faced as entrepreneurs, you know, young first-time entrepreneurs was uh, scaling the organization. Right. Mostly around people, more so than technology. Okay, very well. And I did notice, like, so let's talk a little bit more about culture. Right? And this is something that I... I did take a little bit of a peek at the LinkedIn uh, page and I saw on the banner it mentioned um, that RevTrax was named as one of the top, you know, uh, companies to work for. I forgot exactly by who, um, but what is it that makes a good culture in your opinion? Like how, like 
who should, what should you look for when hiring people to make sure that you have a winning team? Sure. That's a great question. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll give you the non-textbook answer and, and then I'll give you some more of the specifics. But, but my feeling is that what makes a great culture is, is an experience that colleagues have uh, both when they work here and, and even more importantly, that they keep with them after they've left. So this idea that, you know, we have a, uh, over 11 years, you know, for better or worse, I think for better, we, we've had, um, you know, we have a, a big alumni so, association if you will, of, of what we call X-Traxers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what's very rewarding to me is how those people who, you know, may not have worked here for eight years and others who may not have worked here for six months um, reflect on their time here. Um, as being, you know, in many cases, the most meaningful period of their, their careers. And so I would say that that's, uh, that's at the core of culture is, is taking care of people, creating a mission that people can, you know, feel attached to, and, and ultimately living by core values. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, that's something that we didn't really define up front in, in the formative years, but as we began to understand what our culture was, which uh, was one that I, I really had a, a strong role in molding and, and creating, uh, I thought it was important to kind of put, uh, put definition around. And so defining those values and trying to ingrain them into the, the fabric of the company so that people understand what are the expectations are for and from each other. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, to me, that's culture. We talk about perks as a very separate thing. You know, it always irks me when companies talk about culture as, you know, foosball and, and, and free lunch. Um, I, I just, I don't believe that that's right. what culture is. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, I'm also kind of nerdy that way. I studied um, sociology in college to a decent extent, and I'm a believer that culture is how people behave in a shared environment. Um, and those people can behave uh, in my opinion, the right way. And there are also some cultures where people, uh, you know, even against their own best nature, behave the wrong way yeah. uh, and, in, and behave in negative ways. And so, you know, we've always really aspired to, you know, create an environment where people um, feel comfortable and, and are empowered to, you know, do their best work. That's awesome. And it's, it's, it's definitely something that I see too, because I've been obviously in the agency space, um, and I feel like it's a little bit similar to that of a startup as far as, you know, like the things that are considered culture, like doing, you know, all the fun things that everyone wants to be doing at a company and stuff like that. And I don't think necessarily that's what defines the culture of a place. Um, like you said, aside from like how people actually behave within the company, which I think it's very interesting. Now, let's kind of shift a little bit here and talk a little bit more about the actual company, right? So RevTrax, what is the, the, the main problem that you're currently solving at the moment? So the main problem that we're solving is ultimately one that we observed uh, 11 years ago and has been going on, you know, maybe for a hundred years mm -hmm. is, is the fact that so many large B2C brands, direct, you know, consumer facing brands are too promotional mm -hmm. and discount too much. And so our ideal uh, client, and, and we work with many, many uh, large brands, you know, global brands or national brands, big companies, 
are, if they're a big brand, they do a lot of digital marketing. They're heavily promotional and discount focused. Um, and most importantly, they want to be more effective and efficient, i.e. they want to discount less, but don't know how and don't want to go cold turkey uh, because that usually doesn't work. And so our, um, our, our SaaS platform is really focused on, we call it offer management, but fundamentally it's really about offer and discount optimization by using AI and data that is inherent and uh, native in our platform that we collect in order to figure out what is the right discount level for you as a consumer that we believe is going to um, be the least discount possible to get you to purchase. Cool. And so this idea of going from broad-based, broad universal, everybody gets 20% off in their email to a world where everybody doesn't get 20% off Mm -hmm. and everybody gets, you know, call it a more personalized offer or customized offer that is really based on uh, intelligence around what is your willingness to pay and how discount sensitive are you is, is really our mission. And so if we can help a client go from 20% off to everybody to 15% off on average through giving some people 5%, some people 0%, some people 25%, it's a huge right, average it down. It's a huge difference in gross margin and profitability. Totally. That's really cool. And it's, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously like we don't have to get into the details, but I think it would be interesting to learn a little bit more about like how you actually go about doing those things. Right. Yep. Well, what, what I can share is, so we build out of the gate a, a SaaS platform that we call an offer management platform. We have clients basically onboard their discounts, their coupons, their promo code, um, they configure it within our tool, and then they will plug in our technology into their email, for example, that they're gonna send out. And our technology will determine what is the right offer in that pool of offers the client has created when you open the email. Okay, okay so this idea of RevTrex kind of is middleware between the digital marketing you as a brand are probably doing, especially you know a large brand, email, CRM, SCM, uh, you know, display media, search engine marketing, affiliate marketing, social, all these channels. What you will do as a client is you would load up a pool of offers in our system, integrate our technology into any of those marketing channels you want to you activate, and then we would basically run the intelligence to determine what offer a consumer should see. And ideally, um, uh, what you would see would be consistent across any channel that we, we would be deployed in. Meaning one of the big annoyances from consumers and brands is that you get an email from brand A and you get one offer, you go to the brand's website and you get a different offer and you go on social media and you see a different offer. And it's like, who, who's running this, right? right. And, and who's orchestrating this? And the answer is it's all siloed and very fragmented. So our vision is to really bring an enterprise-wide offer management solution to help the brands coordinate their marketing, which may be done in silos and in a fragmented way, but to deliver a consistent and optimize from a cost standpoint what the discount is that you see. And so a lot of our SaaS platform, which we've historically sold on a volume-based business model, 
um, committed tiers of usage on an annual basis. So a lot like um, an email service provider might right. might charge. So we, we're not a seat-based model. It's more volume and usage driven. And it's use it or lose it uh, tier commitments. Very cool. But one of the things that has always been core to our vision is when we sell a client like yourself, and you're using our offers, you know, to using Retrex Manager offers through your paid media or whatever, we're collecting anonymized user behavior around how your consumers are engaging with your offers, different levels of offers, depth of offers, types of offers, in which channel. And we have always built uh, a data architecture to sort of capture those observations, we call them. Cool. which are not tied to you as a person, but more anonymous, um, anonymized understand behavior. The, just to understand people overall, correct? To understand the user behavior that then we can use AI and deep learning and other things to actually analyze at a level that, you know, most humans can't right. and be able to then create models that will allow us to, um, to respond to different types of consumers we might see for the first time who have attributes and behavioral attributes like people we have observed. So that strategy of we sell a SaaS platform that collects data that can be repurposed to deliver more value for clients to help determine the optimal offer is, um, you know, it took eight years to sort of get to a data set that could be analyzed and where data science could be applied and, it took two years to sort of get to where we're at this year and launched our AI platform at the beginning of the year. Nice. But that's, that was the evolution was SAS capturing data, harness the data, model the data, and then use that uh, to actually make our clients lives easier because you know, they don't need to think about all the rules and logic they want to run and spend all the time doing that work. Whereas, um, you know, they're using intuition, which uh, can be misleading and, and may not be accurate. And what they're tapping into with RevTrex is 10 years of, you know, all user behavior captured on our platform that goes way beyond their scope with their company and their customers. Mm -hmm. But then also this way of automating it so that decisions can be made um, using a much broader set of data and richer data set uh, that can be used to respond, you know, instantly versus requiring uh, the manual effort that, that historically was required. Mm -hmm. That's how we do it. Um, you know, at a sort of mid-level, mid it's uh, extremely innovative. And what we found is that nobody had really been tackling offer management as a best-in-class platform mm -hmm. the way we have. And that was really why we started this business, was saying, Offer management's an afterthought that if you're an e-commerce platform or if you're an email marketing company, you might have tools to do offer management, but they tend to be pretty shallow in terms of their, their functionality. Mm -hmm. And so we said, hey, we think the world of discounting needs to change. We think there's opportunity. Let's solve it with a much more robust solution that can plug into everything else. Totally. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Now, as far as marketing and, and actually acquiring customers for RevTrax, what has been one of the best, you know, one of the most efficient things to do in that regards? Like how are you currently getting your clients? No, that's a great question. So, uh, I mean, I'd say marketing is, is something that we, we could and have always uh, needed to improve. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think um, you know, there are companies that fall on different sides of the spectrum in terms of great product, great service, less so on sales and marketing, and then those that are great sales and marketing and less strong on the product and mm-hmm. services. You know, we have always sort of fallen on the former side. Mm-hmm. Strong product, strong services, um, delivering value for big clients, but really sales and marketing has hasn't been um, as strong. Mm-hmm. And so how do we market and find clients? I would tell you that you know, we're activating, you know, our marketing mix is pretty robust. We have found that actually organic search, uh, I don't think it's a huge shocker, but organic search has actually produced the most and highest quality leads into the funnel uh, that have uh, converted into sales. Um, we've done a bunch around uh, account-based marketing. We've done a bunch around paid uh, paid social through targeted LinkedIn. We've done uh, uh, pay-per-click search ads. We do a lot of email lead nurturing, which can be enhanced uh, significantly. And uh, we do PR from a thought leadership standpoint. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that the biggest thing we can do from a brand standpoint is thought leadership and content. And so... That's where you'll see bylines, you'll see white papers, you'll see case studies, you'll see um, uh, benchmarking reports yeah. using our data to try to educate the market because that's you know still our biggest challenge is educating 100%. the market around why they need an offer management platform to solve uh, a pretty pervasive significant problem uh, that either they don't think can be solved or they're trying to solve in some other way. Totally. And, and I feel like that's something that you see across the board with strong B2B players, right? Like a lot of times you don't, you don't see them spending a lot of money on advertising or anything like that. And I did take a look at what RevTrax is currently doing. And it looks like the only thing that's going on social, as far as I can tell, is LinkedIn. And it was exactly what you said, like benchmarking reports to kind of educate more. So, but really, I think what kind of gets lost is the fact that a lot of the times the people that you're going after don't even know that they have that problem. So then they can't look for a solution if they don't know that they have a problem. So what I, what I found um, is that actually a lot of our market knows they have the problem. Mm-hmm. The challenge is a lot of those businesses don't know there's a solution to that problem and have to a large extent stop looking externally mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah that they're saying hey yeah over discounting is a huge problem we're bleeding margin or you know margins and profitability are eroding like it's a problem they know they have they want to stop discounting and couponing but the approach and the solve is often has not been one that has been solvable externally so they'll often look internally and say hey we're on the internal analytics team let's do some more manual analytics work to see if we can figure out how to solve the problem. So more like services, consulting, either internal or even with an external party to try to solve the problem versus trying to solve it with software. So that's our biggest challenge is, is educating the market that there is a solution, you know, finally sort of a solution to a bunch of these problems that they've known they've had for a long time. Is there anything that you wish you could do to educate further um, at a bigger scale, essentially? Well, I mean, yeah, there's always stuff I wish to be doing more of. Um, I think it comes down to, 
you know, still figuring out and finding the optimal message for the buyer and that the buyer for a solution like ours will vary uh, industry by industry. Mm -hmm. And so figuring out a scalable way to, you know, get our message out there to the potential buyers um, within these large consumer facing organizations, um, you know, that's sort of the big, the big puzzle we've got to solve right now. Mm -hmm. Totally. Now let's talk a little bit more about the personal side of growing a company while doing this for the past 11 years, what's been like the single hardest thing to do, um, you know, day in and day out to, to kind of like stay sane and, and just make sure that you're doing everything you can to grow the company to where it is. The hardest thing. Um, I mean, it's the hardest thing is keeping all the balls in the air that need to be juggled. And, you know, sometimes recognizing that, um, I can uh, juggle another ball, right? Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, I'll, I'll juggle another ball and two will drop. Yeah. Figuring out, you know, at any moment in time, what's the priority? Um, prioritization, I'd say, is probably the hardest thing because in growing a company, there are always, um, there are always challenges and opportunities. You know, the, the uh, very real need for, uh, you know, founders to be in multiple places at once. And so figuring out how to manage all these things and over time, how to delegate and how to empower others, um, I think is uh, a challenge for, 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 for many entrepreneurs. You know, you start off and you're doing a lot, right? I had two co-founders, so we're all doing everything. Um, I can only imagine you know, somebody starting it all by themselves. And then you grow and it's now, oh, now I have other people who have specialized skills and I can delegate. Mm -hmm. I can have them do what they're best at because I'm not necessarily as good at that. And so, um, well, it's taken a better part of a decade, you know, to kind yeah. of drive. Um, but that's hard. And, and figuring out, again, what, what is a burning priority? What isn't? Sometimes it's only after the fact that you know that. Totally, totally. What's the, like, the single most important thing that you've learned so far through these, you know, 11 years? Single most important thing. Um, I think eyes wide open 11 years in, um, what the magnitude of difference, not that it's less challenging or more challenging, but how different it is to start a company where um, we today, you know, now 11 years in, have been aspiring to create a new category versus what it would be like if we were, you know, simply kind of inventing a better mousetrap, so to speak. And just the magnitude of effort um, that I feel like it has taken to go the path that we have. Uh, which intuitively makes sense to convince you to do something you've never done before, never bought before versus do something you've done, but a little better. Yeah, it's hard. Um, I think it's super rewarding. But I'd say that, that was probably the biggest lesson I learned was maybe to be a little more um, aware of that when we jumped into this thing. Head first. Um, 
I don't know that we would have made super different decisions, um, but I do think the best uh, the best thing we ever did was actually not raise uh, VC money because I think that trying to establish a market and a category is is hard to rush with capital. Yeah, and they would have they would have wanted that quick return. They would have wanted that quick return, and they wouldn't have gotten it. Mm-hmm. Is my point. And so our business may not be around uh, today if we had gone down that path. So I think that, you know, I'm not a believer that things work out for a reason. You know, sometimes they do. Um, I believe we can create our own luck and, um, and then, you know, put ourselves in a position to get lucky and be successful. But that, that was probably a big learning lesson, which was, um, and we thought we wanted to raise outside capital. Yeah. And I think that that would have been a mistake um, because the market adoption simply took longer than initially expected. So I think we're pretty fortunate that that, you know, that it played out the way it did. Right. What is one SaaS company that you look up to and say, you know, like if we could do something similarly to another one, it would be this one. Good question. Well, I'll tell you the, the company that I've, always admired going back to day one of our business was um, one of the probably maybe the most successful uh, email marketing enterprise email marketing company, uh, which is a exact target, which got acquired by salesforce.com. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I always remember because they, they were a, an early partner of ours. So we got a glimpse at sort of their organization, their culture, um, you know, how they sort of reinvented in many ways this, you know, fairly boring thing called email marketing and, um, and just did it so differently than others and had a SaaS platform. Um, it's really interesting how they were successful and they were very, very successful. But we also took um, some ideas from them on pricing when we developed our current pricing model 10 years ago. Very cool. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're an example I look to on a bunch of different levels. Has the pricing model changed at all from when you first started to now? I'm sure the prices have, but has a, has a model changed at all? So, um, yes, from day zero, but the, um, you know, the aha moment kind of year one, uh, year two in the business was inspired by our, our learning about how exact target uh, charged mm-hmm. in terms of a usage-based uh, SaaS model. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and we took that and incorporated that into our business model. Great. Now, last couple questions here. Do you have a favorite book that you recommend? <laughs> Ooh, so I guess it called this recency bias. Um, recency bias because it's it's a book that I'm, I'm not even done with but I, I think it is uh, I, I, I'm really enjoying it is the um, the Phil Knight shoe dog book the story mm-hmm. of Nike okay I like it a lot because it's a um, it's just a very humble storytelling of uh, how Nike came to be and I didn't know really many of the details and you know it's sort of an entrepreneurial oriented story with with obviously you know a major success at the end of it so i uh i'm really enjoying that book and then from a business standpoint i like um the challenger sale and i like um 
uh, a book called Mindset, M-I-N-D-S-E-T, which uh, is a little bit of the psychology of business and, and people. So, yeah, I mean, those, those are sort of my top, my top favorites. And uh, where can people find you online? They can find me at, uh, uh, at RevTracks.com. They can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me uh, on my own personal blog at JonathanTreber.com. And, uh, you know, Twitter. Those are the usual spots. Awesome. Sweet. And the last question. Do you have any questions for me, Jonathan? Uh, I don't. I mean, I, I'm curious how, uh, you know, uh, you decided to do this podcast entrepreneurially and yeah. you know, I, you may not be able to get into it now, but, um, you just wanted to thank you for having me on and, and appreciate it. Definitely Uh quick little on the podcast. I really wanted to get in front of, you know, people like yourself, SaaS founders, uh, understand how they're growing their companies and essentially, uh, at one point I do want to start my own software company and really just learning through you, right? Like what is it that has worked on a scale and learning, you know, the steps that have been taken for the most successful companies and what can I then kind of take away from that to implement myself later on. So that's a smart move. Yeah. Trying to, trying to learn from the best. Well, there's, there's, there's no one path to success. That's true. Um, and we're, we're not at the, uh, at, you know, in the end zone yet, mm. but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, smart move, incorporate the learning. Um, ironically, you know, you'll, you'll make plenty of mistakes. And I think yeah. that's, the um that's the fun part yeah (laughs) is is to get out there and and start doing it because totally um, yeah everybody's journey is different but it's it's rewarding so good luck thank you appreciate that and uh well thanks everyone so much for being on here uh thank you jonathan again for the time and uh i'll speak to you soon okay great thank you bye